Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We all need a little space balls in our life. That's a tough one, Jordana. You always ask the tough questions. DJ's cool. I'm not really cool. Yeah. Pretty hard on yourself there, Jordan. <laughs> That's DJ's favorite cut. Cool. I think you're pretty cool. I do. Wait, can before we get into the what we were going to talk about originally, did I just hear Laura say that we have invasive worms in the Twin City? Yeah. No, yeah. invasive jumping Snakes. worms. They like jump and jump. slither and probably yeah. attack you. What? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Other than that, it's going well. Right? I just saw one of those damn murder hornets on my window really? yesterday. They were trying to kill you last year. To... Weren't they trying to They're... get it? Yeah. I must have a nest somewhere around my deck because I was trying to take a picture of it and hopped off. But so we have the murder hornets. They're definitely trying to kill me. And now we have invasive jumping worms. But I didn't hear what she said is bad about them. She says it, uh, you know, they they tool around in in the ground. Uh, That's what I thought worms sort of do, like turn up the topsoil and do a good thing. Yeah, but they turn it into a material that she said is like coffee grounds and leads to erosion. So now, like, our rivers are all going to erode all the soil because the jumping worms are pooping out coffee. And and the jumping. <laughs> why are the worms jumping? If they're jumping on me, are they going to turn us into They're trying to keep crowds? up with the jumping carp. I mean, we, we, we do have a problem with invasive species in this state. There's stuff growing here that didn't used to grow here. Stuff swimming here that didn't used to swim here. That's so, true. Mm-hmm. yeah, we could do a show on that. But, yeah, be aware of the right, worms. Well, yeah, listeners, keep us posted. If anybody sees jumping worms, I'd actually kind of like to see it. So <laughs> send us a video, put it on the Facebook, and then I guess kill them. I, I guess that's what we're doing because that's, yeah. you know, we don't want them around. So yeah. anyway, well, did you get a chance to watch Saturday Night Live this weekend? I was at the library. Yeah, uh-huh. at the library. Okay. Why are you laughing? It's every good. Saturday you night. Were, you were not there. there. When's the last time Paul Douglas was in a library? Let's get real here. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long months time. or years. No, no, no. But I, I heard they were they years. were ripping on years. Putin less uh, yes. on SNL, right? Yes. During the news, okay. Colin Jost um, to- told a joke, and I'm pretty sensitive to cancer jokes, but mm. I. I got to be honest, I laughed out loud at this one. There are also unconfirmed reports that Vladimir Putin will undergo cancer surgery. Wow, I never thought I'd say this, but hey, good luck, cancer. (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> again, I'm I am fighting that battle. <laughs> I wouldn't wish cancer. You would think on anybody in the world, but if that were an option, um, am I a horrible person for saying that that would be a good thing for Ukraine and the rest of the world? You know, I, I've been thinking about that. What if somebody had offed Adolf Hitler back in the early days? Could we have saved seven, eight? million Jews, um, yes. and, and I mean, Russia, I think something like 10 or 20 million people died in the old Soviet Union, not to mention the Allies. So I think it's generally best to leave the judging up to God, mm-hmm. and, and I just wonder, and I don't care what your faith is, if you're a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, you have no faith at all, you're agnostic, an atheist— is it is it a good idea to wish somebody else dead for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. Let me back up. The uh, The Victory Day parade in Moscow was yesterday, mm-hmm. and there was no victory, but there's still, you know, Putin was there. But here's the deal. He was limping, and as he was sitting at this parade, his legs were covered by a blanket during this military parade, despite sitting among a group of veterans who did not have their legs covered by a blanket. So there's mounting evidence that he's suffering health issues. Some say it's cancer. Some say it's early onset Parkinson's. But is it a good idea to wish anyone dead, even Vladimir Putin? And that's our question today. The only reason we bring that up is because of this visual that we've gotten uh, and the rumors, I guess, reports, news reports that he is ill that he's sick, that he may have undergone some kind of treatment. And it is such a, it's so um, oppositional of seeing him sitting in a blanket as to the um, persona that he portrays. You know, we've all seen those pictures of him, you know, naked chested, riding on a horse, you know, uh, hunting in the wilderness or with a bear, doing all these very active, virile, manly things, you know, with his bare chest. And um, that's clearly the person that he wants to be, the person that he thinks he is, the, 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 the idea that he wants to portray to the Russian people and the world. So then you contrast that with the what we saw with him with a blanket over a blankie his, he had a blanket yeah like that's what he, you think about somebody in a nursing home yeah. maybe uh you know your grandma in florida when it's 80 degrees in her apartment and she's got she still has the afghan and that's okay because that's what happened as, as we get older we feel a little colder but i'm actually really surprised paul that he went outside or may even made an appearance like that because that is the opposite especially now when he's losing this war of what he'd want to show in public so it it shows him in a vulnerable state um and and normally of course we heard the joke and when people are sick i mean i think there's a natural human instinct uh for Mm -hmm. empathy for sympathy for most people right you're going through a tough time uh you should feel sympathetic i think it's the right human emotion and yet with putin launching this special military operation that has killed thousands in Ukraine and thousands of Russian soldiers. And just today, there was a, a report. There have been 200 attacks on healthcare facilities in Ukraine. 200 attacks on hospitals. Uh, who does that? I mean, we're talking about war crimes that right. 
There's there's mounting evidence of, of atrocities all across Ukraine. So I want to kind of on some level feel sorry for the guy. I can't. Does that mean I, I wish him dead? That's our question today. It, but you know, we wouldn't be crying if he went gently into the long, dark night. Well, yeah, there is that. Yeah. When we get back, we will lighten things up. No more talk of death and cancer. We will talk movies and streaming. Tim Lammers up next. This is your captain. Our mission. To chart the stars. Push the boundaries of what is known. And what is possible. I'm standing on the surface of a comet. I love this job. Live long and prosper, my friends, in the immortal words of Dr. Spock. Thank you, David. He's giving me the Vulcan hand signal through the video chat that we do. (laughs) See, and Paul is calling me a nerd. I I don't care what you call me. I grew up a Trekkie. My dad's a Trekkie. We're all Trekkies. I am totally watching this. Tim, I hope it's good. Tim Lammers, welcome to the show, and I am really excited about Strange New Worlds. Well, hello, Jordana, and hello, Paul and Dave. And I can't do that V thing with my fingers. It's just really? never worked out for that Vulcan really? thing. I've never been able to do it. But, yeah, I all right, I'm on Jordana's side. I'm a nerd, too, for this kind of stuff. Yeah, so this is good? called Strange New Worlds. And, yes, I think you're really going to like it, Jordana. This is what I like about the series. I mean, obviously, we had that original one in 19, beginning in 1966 with James T. Kirk and William Shatner and Leonard mm-hmm. Nimoy and Spock and all those great folks. Um, this actually takes place 10 years before Kirk takes over the Enterprise. So oh. if you're familiar oh. with Star Trek lore, and I know that you are, Jordana, at least. I don't know about the other guys. Oh. Um, You know, he actually took the place of Christopher Pike, Captain Christopher Pike, who has been portrayed over the years in different things like uh, the Star Trek reboot in 2009 with Chris Pine. So, Mm -hmm. you know, here we have Anson Mount playing him. Um, He actually lives in Bear Creek, Montana, in the distant future when he's called to take command of the Starship Enterprise. He has this past classified incident that's really bugging him, though, and he doesn't want to talk about it, but he has no choice since his um, uh, first-in-command, number one, played by Rebecca Romaine, has gone missing. So, again, ten years, after, uh, 10 years before Kirk, uh, so naturally the show is mainly about Pike, but you do have Spock in this one, played by Ethan Peck, who is the grandson of Gregory Peck. So that's wow. sort of an interesting thing there. Yeah. And you do have characters Finch. playing Cadet O'Hara and Nurse Chapel. Okay. So, you know, there are familiar characters here. Um, and it really does feel like Star Trek. You know, I mean, that's the key Ooh. to me all these years, whether it's been a Star Wars uh, movie or TV series or a Star Trek uh, TV series or movies. If you can get that tone, and this one has that tone, you're really going to like the series. So, Tim, that's, this is a really high bar. I mean, when it comes to acting, when it comes to CG, computer graphics, when I think Star Trek, I mean, it's... it. And I'm also debating, I already have at least 92 different streaming services. Do I, <laughs> do I, is it worth adding Paramount Plus 
just to be able to watch this. Well, look, uh, I, I actually reviewed the Godfather series, The Offer. That's also on Paramount+. Plus. So they're really putting out some great content now. Um, it, it, high bar as far as Star Trek is concerned, look, uh, just coincidentally, because my youngest son likes to start um, prolific series from the very beginning. He says, Dad, let's watch the original Star Trek. And, and I just honestly started watching it. You know, as, as cheesy as it could be, as over-enunciating everything that Captain Kirk says, you know, he's overacting, he's a ham bone, but I love Bill Shatner in that series. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're never going to recreate that tone, that feeling that you had when you saw that originally. But they do carry the torch forward quite well. I mean, we've had mm-hmm. Next Generation. We've had a slew of movies. There have been, you know, Discovery, Star Trek, uh, I think it's called Enterprise. You know, a bunch of different series. Some are better than others. And uh, this one I really liked. And, and yeah, cool. certainly for the special effects now. I mean, they're, they're eons uh, ahead of what you saw in 1966. But I have to say, going back and watching that series recently, those are pretty darn good special effects for 1966. So, no, I know. And, you know, and did you notice, Tim? drove for the best. And did you notice that Kirk, you know, has sex with all the alien women? Oh, sure. <laughs> no. He does. I mean, that's yes, the thing. Like, he does. We, we discussed this, time. actually, when Kirk yes. went to actual space, that Captain Kirk, he likes to have his dalliances, yes, Get with, you know, green alien women yes. and, yeah, yes. you know. Purple ten heads, lots of yep. arms. Oh, yeah. Kirk was throwing it around in space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are references to Kirk space. in this series, though. So I think we're going to see. <laughs> I'm sorry. 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 I'm trying to transition away from the sex stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Good luck with that. Not me. I'm going to bring us back there. I want to talk more about Captain Kirk having sex with aliens. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry. All right. But there is, I will tell you, Jordana, to make you happy, there are some scenes that are pretty suggestive in this show already in the first episode, right off the, right off the bat. But without Kirk, somebody else has to step forward, and I think you might be surprised as to who that character is. Interesting. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We, we need to edit Jordana. So moving ahead, um, here, here's a clip from the original HBO Max miniseries, The Staircase. Kathleen Peterson was found dead at the bottom of the couple's staircase. Peterson's husband is novelist Michael Peterson. The cop was on me instantly. There was sufficient evidence to warrant a trial. The injuries are not consistent with a fall down the stairs. The charge? First degree murder. No way in this world my father ever would have hurt Kathleen. We're like that. We believe you. He wanted to give the appearance that this was a wholesome, functioning family. <laughs> well, that simply is not true. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is called the staircase, based on a true case. To be quite frank about it, I, I never heard of it. And, and, and so it's interesting for me as a viewer. Now, here's the temptation. You, you, you start watching it. You're immediately fascinated. And then you want to start looking up details. Well, don't do that. If you don't know anything about the case, let this series unfold. So I've stayed away from the real-life facts, okay? Um, but this is streaming on HBO Max. And the reason I was immediately in, without knowing it was a real murder even, was the fact that you got Colin Firth as this husband accused of uh, murdering his wife, uh, Kathleen, played by Tony Collette. 
He finds her bloodied at the bottom of this staircase in their home. She has 35 wounds. It's obvious this thing wasn't an accident. But the case isn't so cut and dry. So this series starts out with the death, but naturally, if you got somebody like Tony Collette in your series, you don't want to kill her off in the first scene and, and that's it. You know, they got flashback scenes uh, in connection with the death, things that examine Michael's character. There are suggestions how Kathleen's death could have been an accident, uh, suggestions she could have been murdered somewhere else other than the home where she was found. So, you know, obviously it's great storytelling. And again, I can't wait to get through the whole thing to find out what, how things, you know, uh, panned out. So again, if, you're, if you've never heard of this case, uh, start cold with the series and then do all the reading you want afterwards. I just think you're going it, to, it's, it's a very fascinating thing without knowing any prior knowledge of it, without having prior knowledge. Yeah. I remember being on the air when this case was unfolding, but now that I'm thinking about it and I didn't Google it, I can't remember how it ends. It's, and I, I think I'm, I'm going to watch it. And I promise I won't Google. This is uh, Google is the bane of, of our existence, my existence, when it comes to watching shows, especially series. Right. Because my wife, Lori, my dear wife of nearly 38 years, will Google how it ends. And she'll just no. slip that into conversation. I go, you, <gasps> you cannot do that. Really? Why are you That's looking terrible. ahead? Oh, yeah, yeah. The guy dies in episode seven. <gasps> okay, not, I don't want to hear that. You know, whenever I see movies long ahead of time before anybody else does, and naturally somebody's going to ask you, what's it all about? I basically go with the Shakespeare line, everybody dies. And that kind of (laughs) just shuts everything down, you know? But but yeah, I mean, look, it it just, um, to me, when I thought Peterson, I thought of that other Peterson case with the husband who murdered his pregnant wife. Scott Peterson, Mm -hmm. exactly. So I knew about that case. But mm-hmm. oddly enough, not about this. This happened in 2001, the murder. Um, mm-hmm. and, then, and apparently it, it just played out in the courts over 16 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things ahead. This is a miniseries, so it's not like okay. that we're going to get to the end of it and they're going to make us wait for another year to find out what happens. Right. This will be, wrap up in, in its eight episodes. Okay. All right, Tim, we're out of time. Thank you so much. Tim's movie reviews are brought to us by Bradshaw and Bryant, minnesotapersonalinjury.com. And follow Tim on all his social media at Tim Lammers. Just Google him, Tim Lammers Reviews. Uh, you can find him there. We will be back with Mark Lindquist. You can see that on Facebook and on Twitter on WCCO, former Air Force veteran, and now in Ukraine on a humanitarian mission. Next. We've been tracking Joe Lindsley from Lviv Labs. He's in Lviv in far western Ukraine. We've also been tracking the adventures of Mark Lindquist, who is now in Dnipro, in central Ukraine, anxious to get an update. And I love his Twitter handle. He says, U.S. Air Force veteran in Poland, Ukraine, giving Putin middle fingers and helping as many people as we can. Slava Ukraini. Mark, welcome back to the show. Good to see you safe. I don't know if that's a very professional tagline, but I figured that's what we're doing out here. We've got to let the world know, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Why are you where you are? Uh, Bring people up to date with what you're doing, how you're trying to help. So we're out here in Dnipro, uh, in eastern Ukraine, you know, uh, a couple hours away from the front lines. And we are realizing out here in the country 
not everybody has the risk tolerance to be able to come this far out and really get eyes on the problem out here. So as you travel the border near Lviv, you travel the Polish border, uh, all kinds of humanitarian aid, vans and buses and tents. But as you travel further east, it gets slim. And folks out here, um, you know, of, of course, it is a war zone and people, uh, you know, don't necessarily uh, aren't conditioned for it. And so we, the United States uh, veterans um, who know how to operate in a foreign country and know how to get things done out here, uh, we figure that we have a responsibility to help the people as far east as we can. So, Mark, tell us what you're doing and also what some of the greatest challenges are other than trying to stay alive and trying to stay safe. Tell us what your operations are like. It's all about supply lines. It's all about getting the right things to the right people at the right time. And so, unfortunately, out here, a lot of the bottlenecks happen as you move from west to east. A lot of things end up in warehouses. A lot of things are hoarded. And I guess the, the best way I can describe it is, you know, Ukraine is uh, split up into regions, right? They call them oblasts, right? So the Rivne Oblast, the Kiev Oblast, the uh, uh, Dnipro Oblast. And so I liken it like this. If, if uh, Utah was under attack... And you don't know, based on the enemy that you face, Putin in this example, you don't know if Putin will next attack Georgia. Well, of course, the governor of Georgia or the people of Georgia would try to stockpile what they could for the time that the war ends up on their doorstep. And so that's what's happening. Um, it's understandable at a certain level, but it's frustrating at the other um, to see all the supplies that could possibly be needed to feed people so that they don't starve to death. And it's sitting out west, out here, out east. The shelves are filled. I've got a nine-second video I'll post one day about the grocery stores in Dnipro, 200 kilometers away from the enemy lines, filled, filled to the brim. You empty them one day, and they come back the next. And so that's a little bit frustrating to know that, you know, people are 70-plus are days into this conflict now starving, and only a two-hour drive away, there's plenty of food. And so the biggest challenge is getting that food off the shelves to the people that need it, and um, we're doing that as best we can. Mark, are you getting enough food, enough sleep? Explain to listeners, what is a typical day for you on the front lines in this humanitarian effort to help the people of Ukraine? Uh, getting enough food? Absolutely. I'm in, a, I'm in a city of a million people. And so nobody's starving here. You know, you can go to restaurants, you take Ubers around the city and, you know, there are shopping malls here. Am I getting out enough sleep? No. If anybody out there could donate some hours of sleep to me, I would take them <laughs> gladly. Um, the third question you had, what is a, an average day? There is no average day. It's a war zone. I, if I told you what I thought I would do tomorrow, I only have a brief outline and it's always written in pencil because out here in a war zone, there's always going to be a fire to put out. And so that's how you spend your days is responding to requests, responding to families that are needing extraction or needing calories that you didn't hear of when you woke up. So it's a very dynamic situation. Mark, um, as you mentioned, we're so many more days into this conflict than really the global community thought it would last. President Putin will officially declare war on Ukraine, uh, they're, they're saying. Uh, what is the feel of the people? Are they feeling victorious? Are they feeling weary? What... Where is this expected to go, and what are their what are their um, emotions like? Out here, everybody, it's, it's hand, all hands on deck, and babushka. They're they're, they're knitting uh, camo tents for their their troops, and and they're they're sewing together uh, uniform items for people, um, just doing whatever they can to keep their troops supplied. Um, 
And and it's it's really it's inspiring to see everybody all hands on deck. Now, the other thing we have to remember is that these people have been at war for eight years. The rest of the world didn't really wake up to that until now that out in the Donbass, that's been a contested area and Russian controlled for eight years. And so people are are war hardened out here. And um, it's it's really a fascinating thing to to understand that these people, it's almost like second nature to them uh, being at war. And that's something that we don't expect or understand uh, in a relatively safe place like, like the United States. So, Mark, there are a lot of different ways to contribute to the resistance, right? There's humanitarian aid and there's also a military need as well. How does this work? I know you're a veteran. Thank you for your service. Uh, you're hanging out with other veterans that are on the front line. Can anybody pick up a weapon and join the resistance and fight the invaders? Or is there a vetting process that the Ukrainians go through before you can pick up a rifle? And certainly there is a vetting process. And mainly what we're looking for out here is combat veterans and combat medics. You know, if you show up in the country and you're a combat medic or a, or a, a, a war-hardened, uh, maybe U.S. troop, we can't get you on a bus fast enough because these folks, while they are war-hardened and hardy, um, you can't really train somebody to know what to do in combat unless you've been there. And right. so if there are people out there amongst the estimated 60 million veterans on planet Earth who have that experience and you have the situation where you could possibly come and help and join the fight, Ukraine needs you, right? I don't have that combat experience, so I do what I can on the humanitarian side. But I also view humanitarian aid as tourniquets and burn bandages and chest seals and nasopharyngeal tubes because that will save lives. That's non-lethal material that I can get to these frontline soldiers. And as a veteran, I'm proud to do that. Now, I, I look at it like this. If you don't supply the front lines with that stuff, the front lines will end up on your doorstep. And so that's what we're trying yeah. to do and um, support these veterans and, and these, uh, these military members just like I used to in the military as a first sergeant. Yes, we're speaking with Mark Blinquist, Air Force veteran and now humanitarian aid mission happening in Ukraine. Uh, Mark, just last question. What can we do? What What do you need? Where can we donate? How can we help? Uh, you can go to the GoFundMe page, of course. It's just search the name Lindquist, L-I-N-D-Q-U-I-S-T. Good Swedish name, right? Look like a good Swede, don't I? And so, um, but the other thing, actually, very specific need. There's a warehouse, a nonprofit called Matter in St. Louis Park. If there's any combat medic out there in the metro area in Minneapolis-St. Paul that could connect with me, we need a combat medic to go to that warehouse where medical supplies have been donated, and we need somebody like you to be able to pick out the different things that we might need sent over here to our front lines to supply the troops. So combat medics, get a hold of me. Okay. Well, we are proud of you. Sweden is proud of you. Funny you should mention Sweden because both Sweden and Finland are voting this week to possibly join NATO, something that people thought would never, ever happen. Uh, they've been neutral forever, but because of what happened in Ukraine, they're rethinking uh, their stance towards Russia. But we sure appreciate the update. We're grateful that you're safe. Mark Lenquist. thank you for the, uh, the great report, and uh, thank you for what you're doing on the front line. Thanks for spreading the word. Thanks, Mark. We'll be right back. Paula Jordana and DJ, what day is it? It's Tuesday, right? I think it's, is it Tuesday? It's, it is. Is it only Tuesday? I screwed up a couple of times on television. I got the days of the week wrong. 
and, and man, mm. people love that. You know, it's supposed Paul's to be a really joke that you don't know what date is, but you two actually don't know what day it is. Sometimes. We really don't. We really don't. <laughs> it, it, look, it started blurring during the pandemic, and it has not stopped blurring. And maybe it's brain fog. Uh, I don't know. Don't. You know, don't be. It's hating. all the drugs. I mean, I have Could an be excuse. the medication, yeah. But you do not have an excuse, my friend. Fistfuls I of have medication. A, a lot of drugs. That's right. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Thank God there is um, sanity and clarity in our newsroom. In fact, Mark Fry is joining us from the newsroom now. He's got really two interesting stories: something about new growler legislation and a great story about um, a soccer player using a platform for mental health awareness. So. Uh, let's start with the beer, Mark. Welcome back to the show. Sanity and clarity. I appreciate that. I'll take that as a compliment for today. But uh, Jordana, Paul, DJ, great to be back with you. And yeah, tomorrow the House is set to vote on a bill that would essentially free the growler. And we've been talking about that quite a bit, but it'll allow five breweries in across the state to start selling growlers. Currently, there are five who can't sell growlers because they just brew too much beer. So that'll lift the cap and um, a lot of breweries are excited about this and supporting one another. So it's good to see sort of that bipartisanship in the House. But it's got to gotta make its way into the Senate and pass where there's a lot of questions about if that will happen. Yeah, it's one of the few things we can agree on, I think. Beer. Uh, especially Minnesota-made beer. And so I'm, I'm happy for all the breweries that they uh, have an additional source of income here. Fingers crossed that it all works out. And... You have a very poignant story about a, a Kimball High School sophomore, Lexi Pollander, who turned a horrific negative into a positive. Can you explain uh, what you're working on, Mark? Yeah, so Lexi, is. I, I met her this morning, and she was just awarded the 2022 She Believes Hero Award, and that's from the United States Women National Soccer Team. And uh, Lexi lost a good friend last year, Sophie Whelan, to suicide, just 14 years, years old last summer, and uh, since then, her and a bunch of others have turned this in, this tragedy into an opportunity to spread awareness about mental health and suicide prevention through a group called Sophie Squad. And uh, essentially what Lexi did is she started making these wristbands and selling them for $3 a piece. And she's raised $1,300 now in just a few months of doing this. And she's donated about $1,000 of that to suicide prevention causes and mental health awareness. And she's using the $300 to further different causes, like make signs for her community with different uh, phone numbers, things like that, to help people who might be in a crisis. Where can we uh, go and support Sophie and support that cause? So I have an article up at WCCRradio.com with all the information about who she is and uh, where you can find Sophie. And she has a lot of presence on the Internet. So if you just... Google Sophie Poland, or excuse me, Lexi Polander. Um, Lexi that'll bring up everything you need to know and where you can uh, find out where to support her. Yes, Lexi is the student, and Sophie is the friend that she lost. Thank you for exactly, clarifying yeah. that. It's Lexi Polander, P-O-L-I-N-D-E-R, right. and you can find that, of course, at odyssey.com slash WCCO Radio, where Mark's story is up online. So, um, yeah, two different stories, but but great ones. Thank you for sharing that with us today, Mark. Right, exactly. And the, the thing about this, too, is, is it's really focused on student-athlete mental health. And we've all read the stories recently of just how students, uh, student-athletes have been impacted and a lot of tragic stories. So just the thing to highlight here as we continue on a, a long year, it seems like.
Yeah, yeah it's true. They they really have. I mean, so many of them didn't get to finish their seasons during COVID. Uh, it, could, it was their senior year. Their scholarships may have been impacted. And just that sense of camaraderie and what they need from sports. So um, really important to highlight. And just mental health in general. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you, Thanks, Mark. Mark. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank you. Oh, you got it. Always good to talk about mental health and remind ourselves that, you know, sometimes the kids aren't all right, that we need to be checking in with them. Uh, mine are like, Mom, take a breather because I check in with them every day. You know, th- their mom has cancer. So I'm like, you guys are right. You want to talk to anybody? Do you need somebody? Yeah, okay. They're like, take a chill, Mom. Relax. But, you know, you, you got to be on it. Got to be on it. Right? Don't you it's sense up to us to take things, care of them. It, I sense things are getting better and people's yeah, moods so. are improving as we slowly come helping. out of this thing. Right. God, I the hope weather's so. helping. It's the weather's helping. Oh, okay. That's You're welcome. <laughs> Finally, we're not in quarantine story, weather-wise. Right? The story about the bear in St. Louis Park next on CCO. Mm, bear. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.